Hello everyone and welcome to This Game Where with me, Chris and... Me, Ashley! Hello! Why did you do that? Why did I do what? Why did you do it exactly like I do it? <laughs> Turn the tables. On what? I thought it'd be funny. Oh, wait, is it? Is this supposed to be some kind of conflict? Is this just like a weekly confrontation for you? It's not for me, but is that yeah. is that you disclosing it is for you? No, I was just wondering, like, to turn the tables is a very loaded term. Like, <laughs> look, I know he's had us on the run for weeks and months and years, but this week's the one where we turn the tables. You know, it's a very military, jingoistic, well, not jingoistic. <laughs> jingoistic. Crikey. Yeah, military term. For a minute you in, know, we've got the word jingoistic being banded around. Super militant. I didn't know why you used it. I just thought I'd do one of yours. Just thought I'd do one of mine. Right, yeah. okay. How are you? All right, thank you. Well, I was all right. Now I'm... What, until two minutes ago? <laughs> perturbed. At listening to you do an impression of me. Not even in the sound of my voice. And I wasn't, just in the, I wasn't doing impression in the cadence I was, of my voice. I was doing the words. You just did the words. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. <sighs> I'm fine, thanks for asking. Hope listeners are good as well. Yeah, me too. I'm not asking you. Right. Well, it's a special week this week, Ashley, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Well, firstly, actually, it's our third birthday, I realised a couple of days ago. Today, today? Oh, no, it's not no, today, is it? It's at, tomorrow. At some point between us recording this October, and I think it is. the release of this, it's uh, three years. I hadn't really thought about that, otherwise I would have baked a cake. To eat while you watched. Yeah. Well, people pay for that on OnlyFans, don't they? I'm not one of those people. Mm, I wonder who sent me that letter then. <laughs> well, I couldn't possibly say. Yeah. Yeah. So, h- happy three years to us. And we're celebrating with episode 140. And as is tradition, yes, no, it's, multiples is it one, well, it's of 10. Oh my God. So it is. Okay. Hastily backtracking. Episode 130. And as a tradition, multiples of 10, we're doing games that we've never done before. And we've decided this week to go for a game that's been suggested by a fan, an actual fan. Yeah, yeah. so there is an issue here, um, which I have kept to myself um, until now. Because uh, last week we were discussing oh, we what go. we were going to do. And a couple of games came up. And there's the game that we're doing today. And then there was a different one called... Cool Borders, or whatever. Yeah, you vetoed that. So, yeah, I did. But for some reason this week, my brain went, doing Cool Borders this week. So, uh, oh, I, see. I might have uh, learned a few things about Cool Borders. <laughs> maybe you could pepper the conversation with those. Yeah, I. yeah, maybe. It depends. Let's see how light and fluffy the conversation is before I start weighing it down with borders yeah well so thank you to to lizzie for suggesting this game uh, this week we are doing uh, mario is missing and if you would like us to cover a game in a future multiple 10 140 150 etc then let us know on one of the social media probably facebook but we're also on twitter instagram or youtube um and if you've got a game that you would like us to cover that we haven't done yet then holler at us yeah feel free it, it has to be a one that we haven't played so obviously you know, Stars have to align and all that, but uh, you know it's always worth a try. Yeah, so did Mario's Missing. Mario's Missing was released in 1993 for the SNES. Yep. What are the facts you got? That's one of the few things that I've learned. <laughs> but one of the things I did learn that um, was a surprise to me came out MS DOS as well. Yeah, a personal computer uh, thing 
for anyone that didn't know. In 1994, that was. Well, it released on the PC in January 1993 and was then ported to the NES and the SNES in late 93 and then released for the Mac and... uh, Oh. Yeah, Mac, not DOS. Mac in June 1994. No, it definitely came out on DOS. Oh, I suppose the PC versions will have been on DOS. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they will. I mean, this is um, this is these are going to be these are good episodes where we are talking about a game we have no understanding of. Or yeah, the yeah. only one of a scant number of uh, things that I know about Mario is missing, and I got it wrong. But there we go. That's how things are. So I want to uh, make a second confession. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So you know how these these um, these multiples of ten are supposed to be games we've not played. Oh right. Yeah. I might I might have played Mario is missing. Why did you? Blimey suggested then. Well, because I don't think that I've played it in a sense that it means that I've actually played it, which doesn't that necessarily makes no make sense. all that much sense. No, exactly. So, um, in the early noughts, it um, I, I got a PC, and one of the first things that uh, we one of the first things you played was Mario was missing. Well, sort of, yeah. It, one of the first things sort learned... down a PC just to play Mario was missing. <laughs> to do on a PC was um, install a thing called ZSNES, which is an emulator. So in the early noughts, I uh, was able to catch up with a number of things on the Super Nintendo that I'd never played before. Mario is Missing is one of the things. Obviously, I didn't, well, not obviously. At this point, I'd never heard of it. So this is about 10 years after it ten- it come out. And you get, you get given, or you get, well, I mean, I was given, uh, you get given the keys to this huge uh, treasure trove of games and you see all these weird and wonderful things that you didn't even know existed in a lot of cases. Mario's Missing is one of those things and I loved Mario. So I jumped in head first or both feet first, whichever one you want to go with, um, and was so confounded, so confused by it that I turned it off after about 10 or 15 minutes and never went back. Okay. The little that I can remember, and this might be, like, this will be telling for anyone that has played Mario is Missing. The little that I can remember is that there is a sequence where you fly across a blue plane, which I'm assuming is the sea or the ocean or whatever. And I'm also assuming is to supposed to represent Luigi flying through time or something like that. Because there is a time travel element to this game, I un- as I understand it. Okay. Or is it globe trotting? Yeah, so geography-themed escapade. Well, then that makes sense, doesn't it? Because if he's flying across the ocean from place to place, I seem to think that there's like this little little sprite that sits in the centre of the screen and somehow and for some reason he is flying across the ocean. I don't remember if I was controlling him. I was very, very confused when it was happening and I'm even more confused 20-odd years later, so... Yeah, we'll see if that's true. Cool. But yeah, that's not enough really, is it? That's not enough to say, well, I've played that. No, a half-baked memory from 20 years ago. I'm really impressed no. that you, you went, you, you've you got the, the keys to the kingdom. You could have played a, a, a Link to the Past. You could have played um, Super played Mario that. World. Well, yeah, right. You could have played some of the big hitters and you went for Mario is Missing. Well, no, I played, I've played all sorts of um, amazing games. So obviously Earthbound, I I played that on a on an emulator in the olden days. Um and a Bahamut Lagoon. So Bahamut Lagoon is one that will come up at some point, but that is a Japanese-only game that had a really, really good fan translation. 
and is okay. an standing JRPG on the SNES. Uh, up, where, up there with the best. Very, very good um, reputation, but never made it out here. And I don't think has ever made it out since. I could be wrong on that, but that was one that I played quite extensively. There's one that's come out on Switch recently, or there, or Live soon. Alive. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the same situation. I've never played Live Alive. I was actually just pricing it up before we came. Oh, really? Oh, there you go. On. Yeah, to, before we uh, started recording. So Live Alive, Chrono Trigger. I was late to the party with Chrono Trigger. I first played that uh, through through ZSNES. Um There's a whole raft of these games that. They're absolute classics that I never got a chance to to play on the SNES proper. But as I say, when uh, when we got our first PC, a family friend hooked us up. Oh yeah, down the pub. It, yeah, well no, not down the pub. It was an interesting situation. But yeah, he, he also uh, showed me Half Life uh, for the first time, and a couple of other games. He he came round one evening and he installed uh, Microsoft. I, he, he installed Microsoft Office wow. for us, well, but a, on the a, same CD. A cracked version. Perhaps. On the same CD mm, was Half-Life. Perhaps, definitely. Perhaps. Uh, on the same, allegedly. On the same CD was Half-Life uh, and uh, Total Annihilation, I think it was, which is an RTS. Yeah, what, all on the same CD. It was amazing. Random, it was a magical time. Assortment of, uh, of titles. Yeah, yep. yeah. Well, but on, also ZSNES with a raft of games. On that note with the PC, interestingly, Mario's Missing, the original iteration on the PC, was a point and click. And when it transferred to the NES and SNES, they then brought in some platform elements. So while there are multiple uh, ports of it, they're slightly different as well. The Mac version that released in June 94 includes 127 QuickTime video clips of different landmarks from around the world. One, two, seven quick time clips. Feel that 90s nostalgia. Mm. Is that a 90s nostalgia? Quick Clicks. time clips? Yeah. Oh, quick time, like real time yeah. player type stuff. Yeah. yeah. Quick so time quick player? time, I think quick time, was quick time the Apple uh, variant? Of, I mean, you can get it on PC. I'd, just, I'd assume so if it's on Mac. On, mm, I think you could start it. I think it started on on max but there was also real time player which was another yeah. third party and you get skins for that that was very 90s noughties yeah the we ended up on our pc with real time player it got installed somehow because i was a real real big fan of windows media player and then i got went down the big the, the skins like finding these little skins mm. for it for real time player that was uh what, what time it was one of the first things that you well, certainly that I did when we got the internet. Like, look, see if you can customise your PC. So we had skins mm. for our, both Windows Media Player and Real Time Player, and uh, different, um, not just skins, the uh, video visual oh, effects, the, the waveform. Yeah, like all different ways that your screen can light up when music's playing. My Media um, Player, I ended up it was like a blue, like an amoeba, has little gawky little face on. It was, it was. I reckon I had that. Yeah, I really think that I had that one. Um, there was also, if you remember, there was cursor and icon, custom yeah. icons and cursors, and you could get cursors that had like little flags hanging off the back, like a kite or something like that. And I had a, I had all a few, kinds of stuff. I had a Futurama pack, so it changed the cursor into like a, a gun from Futurama, and they all, all, all everything you did on Windows played little sound bites from from the show. Oh, good times. Heady days. Yeah. Heady days, but nothing to do with Mario's Missing. Well, sort of to do with Mario's Missing. Now, 
when I started doing some research for this, I had this real rush of nostalgia because I remember the game coming out. I remember seeing an advert on TV for this game because I recognised the front cover. And I went on YouTube and a few other websites and typed in Mario's Missing advert tv trailer and i couldn't find anything but i distinctly remember there being it might just been like maybe like woolworths had it on sale and just that it showed the box art as part of that or something but i definitely remember seeing it when it came out and thinking as a well i've been seven or eight at the time thinking but because it it seemed quite strange absolutely yeah i again that's one of the reasons i think that i went towards it because it was so oh like so because it was so odd. Um, but I never... I mean, that that in itself, the fact that there were computer game adverts on the television that you remember, presumably mm. around 1993, 1994, yeah. is pretty big. Because I, I think the first computer advert, computer game advert that I saw might have been Killer Instinct uh, at some point later on in the 90s. And they were few and far between. I really just didn't remember one for Mario Paint where it was like in this like futuristic, like almost like a lab or something. And it was for Mario Paint. And again, that was quite... I, well, recently, actually, I've watched in the last couple of weeks, I've watched um, Console Wars. And there was a whole bit mm. in that about how... I mean, Console Wars is a really interesting book. It, the, the, the documentary is just as good as well. Uh, Sega, in my opinion, don't come out of it too well. Um, but there's a whole thing about how Nintendo sort of tried to relaunch themselves as a macho like cool edgy games company and i suspect this mm. mario because mario paint is hardly a, an edgy game but i remember lots of grays and metallic tones within this advert for mario paint so i suspect that might have been part of that process of then trying to rebrand themselves yeah i'm thankfully missed out on that to a large extent so good for me yeah well mario paint actually leads me nicely into my, my main bit of notes for this so i turned to uh my my bible for for mario games now jeff Fryan's how nintendo conquered america because i can remember there being a, a brief bit about mario's missing within that i've summarized what he said about mario's missing and basically 1992 1993 nintendo were riding high on mario's success after you super mario world you super mario 3 and were churning out game after game starring mario and, and they could afford to take risks with the brand because it because whatever they put Mario in, the brand sold. So mm. within 93 alone, for every Super Mario Land 2 on the Game Boy, there was Mario Paint alongside others. And Mario's Missing tried without much success commercially, is what opened the book, but I've then found a few figures to kind of contradict that. Mario's Missing tried to merge Mario gameplay with Carmen Sandiego geography fun by mm. teaching around the world based on what treasures Bowser had stolen. So the whole plot of the game is that Bowser and Mario and Luigi and Yoshi, I think I think Bowser comes to Earth first and then Mario, Luigi and Yoshi follow him. And Bowser's got this really harebrained scheme. Have you read about this at all? Uh-uh. So Sorry. No, he I wa- haven't. He wants to take over the Earth by melting antarctica using hair dryers which will then make the sea level rise and he wants to also steal some treasures as part of this plan Mm? and Mm. mario luigi and yoshi follow him to earth and he then kidnaps mario and then luigi and yoshi presumably have to try and save him so it's all set on earth it's also notable because it is the first game to star luigi and that didn't happen until uh, seven Luigi's years, eight, eight years later, sorry, with Luigi's Mansion on the GameCube in 2001. Is that it? Just eight mm. years? 2001? Yeah. 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 And I, That's I had that, insane, really. I had that yeah. as well, thinking that 1993 to 2001, go from Mario's yeah. Missing to Luigi's Mansion, it feels like a, such a 
jump forward. Massive jump, yeah. Yeah, I knew that that was the case, that this was the first um, Luigi game for intents and purposes, and, and that Luigi's Mansion was the next one. But you saying that is the first time that I've really thought about how that contextualises the, the great leap forward of the 90s. Mm. Madness. Yeah. The game was developed by a company called The Software Toolworks, and mm. I looked into them and I got quite bored. So I've only just down two points about them. The most interesting things I could find about them are that they started in a garage and they were acquired in 1994 by Pearson for a cool four six two mil dollars pierce pearson as in the educational textbook uh people so don't they run the uh driving test centers in the uk as well to be really dry quite possibly i don't know i I just just find that weird that that pearson this educational company have got within their portfolio somewhere mario's missing yeah but this is a if we haven't already said, Mario's Missing is one of a series of edutainment games. Uh, the second one that we've done in less than a month uh, on this podcast, interestingly. Well, uh, yeah, but that, 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 that other one's been a backup one. Oh, yeah. Okay. T- what was it called? Read, Write, Type. So watch it'll, out for that coming. It'll come up in the future. Yeah, Read, Write, Type. Oh. <laughs> it was a rip What a classic. Absolutely. Um, yes, this is, this is an ent- edutainment game that from what i understand maria uh, nintendo didn't actually have anything to do with the original release yeah nintendo uh, sort of nintendo licensed, licensed the... software towards the characters and basically there you go get on with it but the notable thing is notable thing sorry is that the snes version uses audio and visuals from super mario world so the licensing extended to that but no further at all almost like nintendo kind of just i said there you go crack on with it whatever you churn out is fine yeah, do you know what, incidentally, the first Mario-based entertainment game was? I I'm going to tell you the name of it, and then okay. I'm going to tell you what it was, but I want you to see if you can guess what it is for, before I tell you. I assumed this was the first one, so this no. is going to blow my socks off. So in 1986, a full, what is that, seven years prior, yep. there was a game came out in Japan called I Am A Teacher, Super Mario Sweater. Super Mario Sweater? Yeah. Is it like cross-stitch pattern or knitting patterns to, to make a sweater? Very close. It it was a sewing machine tutorial on how to make a Super Mario sweatshirt. What, for like a cartridge went into your nets that then loads up some instructions on? I, I, I think so, yeah. It, so it was for the Famicom disk system, which is like an add-on uh, that took floppy disks for the Famicom in Japan. So presumably it was a floppy disk that you put into your NES, uh, which, you know, the the plot thickens and all that. But um, (laughs) yeah, you could design, I I think it had like a pre-built design for for like a Mario sweater, but you could also design your own sweaters to then sew on your sewing machine. And I seem to think, I can't, I didn't try to, I didn't try to corroborate this, but I seem to think that there was a sewing machine peripheral for the Nintendo Entertainment no. System. No. Come now, on. I, you're, you're, you're questioning that, so now I'm going to have to go away and try and corroborate it. Bearing in mind that I was doing all of my research. This is On core borders. Dredged, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, did, I think I managed about 10 minutes prior to <laughs> starting, so sorry about that. But um, this, this was dredged up from uh, the back of my mind 
from many, many years ago. So let me just find out about this sewing machine. Right, so uh, this is an answer in two parts. Okay. The actual thing that I remember is not a Nintendo Entertainment System sewing machine. What I actually remember is a Game Boy Color sewing machine. So it was a sewing machine that was peripheral for the Game Boy Color. So, what? Okay. What? Yeah. So, uh, so that's what I remember. I've just, I've just had a quick search on Google and found the pictures of what I remember. Do you remember the IMAX that had the like see-through chassis and and they were all brightly coloured? Yeah. So I, yeah. IMAX. So, that's the plural of IMAX, not IMAX as in the cinema. Yeah. So that threw me. IMAX. IMAX. Yeah, I do. Yeah, we had those in my um, secondary school in all, all sorts well, of weird colours. So did we, yeah. We um, What we didn't have was Game Boy Color sewing machines, which no. came in sort of similar, uh, brightly coloured, very rounded, sleek designs. And your Game Boy Color um, attached via a, um, a cable and slotted into a little slot on the, on the actual sewing machine. So that's the, that's the thing that I remember. I don't know any more than that. I don't understand what the Game Boy Color is adding to us. Just get a sewing machine. Yeah, uh, I have a teacher Super Mario sweater. So that was produced by a company called Royal Industries Company Limited. Um, they were a Japanese appliance and sewing machine company, and the players could use the use the program, use the disc to design sweaters that they could then send off to the Royal Industries Company and have made for twenty nine hundred yen, which was around about twenty pounds. This is on the NES. On the NES, that's I mean, in 1986. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. In looking for this, though, I found uh, something else. And that is even weirder uh, because it's the Nintendo knitting machine. Right. Now, I'm going to send you a picture of that. But it is what it sounds like. It is a machine that you plug into your NES that you can then use to knit things. I've also oh sent you an days. article from a reputable journalism website that talks about again about the knitting machine, so that you're you're clear that it's a a real thing. Madness. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they're knitting some socks on that uh, picture that I've sent you, which is interesting. But yeah, I mean, this is people think that you know the in the last days of the week, yeah, they went on E3 and they were talking about the. Um, they were talking about the vitality sensor and people were going oh nintendo you've gone mad um but nintendo were just doing what nintendo did (laughs) because in the 80s they were they put out a brand they put out like a rock solid legendary computer games machine in the form of the nintendo entertainment system and went hang on uh we're not catering to the knitting market yeah, what what this is missing is a knitting add-on. Exactly. So, you know, I didn't know about this knitting machine until right now. So, it's if a anything, nice little, if fine. anything, Sega missed a trick with that. Absolutely. This is why Nintendo um, took this. The this is why Nintendo took the '90s Sega things so badly, I guess, because they've been trying so hard in so many different domains, and then suddenly Sonic comes along and beats their ass because mm. they're not edgy enough. Yeah, they might not be edgy enough, but they know how to knit you a pair of socks without you having to touch the controller. So, who's really winning there? 
And, and the idea of designing a sweater, that cross up in Animal Crossing, and is quite satisfying. Mm. But then I like the idea yeah. of actually designing one, and then you can actually have it made. That's Yeah, or even make it yourself on your on your uh, living room floor. Yeah. What would you have in so your sweater? There you go. little rabbit hole, sorry. I would have Link riding a train all the way around. Nice. Like, like uh, Spirit Tracks was the train one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And on different parts of the sweater... He would be doing different things on the train, like filling up the water or something, or ringing the bell. <laughs> Dingling. Shoveling some coal. Cool. Cleaning parts of the gristly meat of a dead human being off the wheels. Oh dear. What took a turn? After a catastrophe. <laughs> Just one human. So very Just small, yeah, very it small wasn't catastrophe. A huge catastrophe. <laughs> Just a little one. Yeah. Right. I don't know what to say to that. And sorry, I've... we haven't. Well, there's... forgot what you were saying. <laughs> well, there's nothing else to say about Mario's missing, is well, there? I, I know where we went. Um, there is some stuff to say about Mario's missing, surely. Um, because I remember where we were. We were, I, we were saying this isn't the first entertainment game involving Mario. Of course, uh, the sweater one was. Um, it was also a part of a larger series uh, known as the Discovery series uh, that in- included Mario is missing, uh, Mario's time machine. Mario's early years games. What were they? They were games for the Super Nintendo, and there were three of them, apparently. They taught letters, numbers, and other things to uh, preschoolers. Hmm. Mario's Time Machine, as I said, released in 1996. It's basically the same premise, well, the same kind of concept of this, but instead of uh, Mario's Missing is, as I said, geography-focused, Mario's Time Machine is, as the name suggests, a history focus so yeah. there you go mm. um I, I said in the um the, the quote from jeff ryan or the 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 truncated quote from jeff ryan about how the game did mario's missing didn't have much success um apparently it still made seven million dollars of profit in just 1993 alone which i don't think is particularly to be sniffed at no not at all and the caveat with that is that edutainment never sells which i think is fair so it, it, in terms of reviews it also had quite a, a lukewarm reception but my kind of uh counter to that and i think with us going into the game itself as we'll probably go through in a few minutes is that you know reviewers are not the target market this is a game that's aimed at probably six to nine year olds probably so i think your reviewers mm. are playing it expecting like you know something that's gonna you know be a, a genuine game this isn't it, but it's not purporting to be it. So our experience of it as well, I, I, I'm going to try and be really careful to not be You're too to derogatory. Temper. Yeah, because it is an edutainment title aimed at children. It, it's not aimed at me. And I've, I've got to sort of lower those expectations, I think. Right. So counter to that, Denki Blocks is not aimed at you and yet. It's a it's a but that's, tier but that's, game. But that's not edutainment, is it? No, it's not. So this is that's the bit that I agree with. So I think the thing that people coming to this may struggle with is the entertainment angle. Yeah. An entertainment an entertainment game should be a game. It should it should gamify some of the educational aspects in order to make them palatable and enjoyable and and make it go in without too much uh, trouble. But I also think that if you're going to come at it purely from the point of view of how good a game is this, then you're maybe going to fail. Yeah, 
exactly you completely evaluate it as fairly insensibly yeah it's not that you sh- that it's not a proper game or that it can't be a proper game it's that you've got to you've got to skew your view mm-hmm. of it a little bit to match the angle it's coming in at completely cool we're on the same page now we are indeed are we are we off to try it is that what we're driving I th- towards I, th- I think so i'm quite excited oh i'm not oh <laughs> Cool. We'll see see who's right or wrong on that front. It's not you. Yeah. Okay. It's not me. It's a Luigi. Oh, it's oh, right. I see. Yeah, Luigi. It was Luigi. It was Luigi. It was it, Mario's missing. What? What do we think? He was missing, as was the fun. Oh, come now. Sick burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sick a burn. true, a true one though. The game is uh, not fun. It's a game. So there's a positive, but it's not it's not a fun game. It's a trivia it's it yeah, it's a series of short trivia challenges hidden behind a very early prototypical walking simulator. A, a nice sandbox. Not a nice sandbox. There was sod all to do. So yeah, not not a great experience, sorry to say. Well, the game, my main bugbear with the game is that the manual, uh, which we found on the internet, does tell you what to do. In the game, you are not told what to do at all at, at any point. So you have to really piece it together for yourself. And it took a lot of us you know, working as a pair to sort of figure out, oh, okay, you're supposed to do this now. Oh, okay, this has happened, which means this. And it's, it's you know, just for there to be no text and stuff. Although I would just preface that as well or, or not preface it's after the fact but um the snes we are playing the snes version and depending on which version you're playing there were different kind of aspects stripped back or added to it or stuff so maybe one of the other versions that does appear i don't know but for this version which is what we're playing that that's what we've been presented with and yeah it, it's not clear what to do at any point yes okay i agree to, to recontextualize that a little bit i came to this game in the same way that i came to a great many games in the 90s without a manual without any kind of consideration of or concept of what to do and the actual figuring it out was relatively painless it was annoying because it was like that's not very clear all the way through every single thing that i figured out was like that's not very clear i shouldn't have to mash the buttons to find out how to interact with things or talk to people well why am i having to jump in front of collectibles in order to collect them whereas i in order to talk to someone i have to press a what's going on here it was it was all a bit messy but in terms it sort of in the grand scheme of the games that i've had to learn without any kind of context or manual it wasn't all that bad in in terms of i'm learning the game oh i've learned the game that that was quite a short and um shallow learning curve the reason for that, though, is because there's not much there. No. 
So let, let's let's explain a little bit about what we actually understood the game to be. So you start off in Bowser's Castle and there's five doors. Behind each door is a warp to a city in the world. I went straight to uh, San Francisco and Ashley went straight Which to... Which is the last door. Yeah. You went. To... I went straight to Rome. Ba- yep. Which is the first door. So there's our contrasting styles and characters. <laughs> Fair point. So you, you're in the city, you go through um, the go through door, and you come up a, a blue warp pipe from you know as it in any, every Mario game, and mm. a pokey then pops up, which are on the sands cactus type, uh, not cactus, on the sand creatures is made out of the balls that they sort do of, look like cactuses a little bit, but they're yellow. That's why I kind of uh, retract that. Anyway, I'm sure there's a yellow cactus. But always, definitely. So you're going to find out now. You're in the city and you press select to bring up a map of the city. And the city is, you've got the little icon showing there's Coopers wandering around. And the city is represented by a grid with intersections. To cross each over, over each intersection, you have to go to the actual pedestrian crossing and press down or up. And then Luigi will do a little left and right, which is quite like a bit of road safety there. And The yellow peanut cactus. Thank you. And you move your way around the city like that. Now, what we figured out, the best thing to do is to kill the Coopers first because the Coopers drop artifacts. Yeah. The artifacts are what you're supposed three to... Three in a city. Three in each city. The artifacts are what you're supposed to be returning. So the, the Coopers... So, for example, in San Francisco, they'd stolen the Foghorn from the top of the Golden Gate Bridge. Didn't you know the one? And then the Leghorn from somewhere else? Nice, well done. Okay. Uh, I can't remember all the other two things where they made that, that little impact on me. And... You have to then take that to the Golden Gate Bridge, which is marked on the map, and then you at the Golden Gate Bridge there's an information store. Information store manned by Peach. If you go to the information store before you have the artifact, she will give you a pamphlet, and you have to study the pamphlet. Here's the gameplay: study the pamphlet to retain the trivia, the information from that pamphlet, because once you return the artifact, she then asks you some questions. Questions are multiple choice for uh, for each one. If you get it wrong. We then figured out there's then a 30-second timer for you to be able to go back and retry the question again, which seems unfair. Arbitrary and annoying. Yep. If you pass two of the questions, you then it, it you return the artifact successfully. Why you have to do the trivia in terms of, you know, actually, you know, you'd think you've got the artifact there, so you'd want to take it back off you, but obviously that's the gameplay, is the entertainment side of it. And then you then are able to then view a close-up uh, photograph of the... The, the the artifact the 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 um locations the Golden Gate Bridge which actually I did think looked quite nice for the snares. You do that. There's th- no further snares about it. I don't think they that they, they were fine. Yeah, and you have to do that three times in each city. At, at the same time, you've also got there's a, an overview map called the Globe Later with Yoshi, and the idea is that with Yoshi, you have to try and figure out where you are in the world. And again, as said in the first half, we'll come to this as two blokes in our mid-30s. We knew straight away, well, I knew straight away I was in San Francisco, because I mentioned the Golden Gate Bridge. The idea is that you're looking, picking up these clues, and then once you figure out where you are, you go to the Globulator, this overview, which actually was a really nice representation of Earth with the continents done in the Super Mario World style. I quite liked it. Ashley's pulling yeah, her face. Right. And yeah, it, it, you never got to see it in its entirety. I think I would have been able to appreciate it more if I'd been able to see it as a full globe, hmm. uh, as a full map. I'd also have liked to see a bit of variation between the textures used. So Rather than just being green. I'd have liked to see the snowy yep. stuff and Fair. so on to give it a bit more character. That's all. Once you figure out where you are, take Yoshi there and you 
uh, Yoshi then automatically is transported into the city. So Luigi is now riding on Yoshi's back. So it makes you a bit quicker. You then have to go and get the other two artifacts. We figured out that if you got all three artifacts, if you if you got all three artifacts, you could only go back to what was it? You could only return the artifact that was the last one you picked up. Yeah, so you pick them up in order one, two, three. You then have to return them three, two, one. And you can't return object artifact two. You have to do it three, two, Before one. Before you've done three, which yeah. again just seems odd. If you, yeah. if a Cooper drops an artifact and the Cooper dropping artifacts is is just potluck, you just have to kill the Coopers and they drop the artifacts and then that's that. And again, we have to figure it that out. It might be the first three that yeah. you kill. It might be the last three. It's largely going to be a, a variation of, of 1719 or something like that. But if, if you kill a Cooper and don't pick up the artifacts by jumping near it, it's then, it's been dropped, but you have to then trawl the map go through all these streets to try and find it because it's not actually represented on the the mini map at all and yeah, that did happen to you i think it's unlikely to happen probably the bigger bugbear with it is that for, to, in order to find three artifacts you've got 50 million coopers to try and find and they're all along this map that's really difficult and annoying to navigate and then you return the other two artifacts you then return the two artifacts, at which point you are then able to return to the blue pipe where Yoshi is finally able to eat the pokey. You then return back to Bowser's castle and you try the other four areas. Once you've done all five cities, because you do that same gameplay loop a further four times, you're then able to encounter a boss. We didn't try the boss because we both got bored, but the boss, apparently in the SNES version at least, the boss can't actually hurt you. You just have to jump in its head multiple times. So boss is quite a, a loose term. There are then a further two more floors with five cities in each, so 15 cities in total, and then you've completed the game. Now, in the SNES version, there was no ex- exposition at the start of the game. There was no Bowser didn't pop up at all, so the only plot you could gain was from in the manual. But again, that's different in the NES version and the PC version, etc. as well. Okay, um, so on the length of the game, we talked last week about Taz being too much of a good thing. I think some people might call 15 levels of Mario is Missing generous. I would call it cruel. <laughs> Have I explained the gameplay there? There's nothing I've missed out of, is, is there? Not really, no. 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 The, you, you've covered it all. It's just... And it, it, it is as dry and as boring as that yeah, I, will have made it sound. I, I was, I was, it really is. I was bored while talking, and I was aware of how convoluted it sounded. I was really trying to yeah. get the minutiae of it all, and I, I have got it all. But I think th- so, th- yeah. But our point is, think about a child playing this, they've got to figure that all, all out for themselves, because there's no in-game... Mm. Like, even when you've cleared all three artifacts return them all there's nothing that pops up to say well done you can leave the city you've just yeah. got to the main so i i think i said this in the first half the main goal of edutainment should be entertaining in order to educate if you miss out the entertainment bit then all you're doing is educating and you might as well send a kid to school where someone who actually knows what they're doing can be in involved and in charge the entertainment education thing is supposed to be education by stealth but the main thrust of the edu- uh, entertainment the main thrust of the education here was sit down and read this informative pamphlet about these things you no <laughs> that's that's not education by stealth is it and it had loads of information it was really overwhelming and obviously yeah. this whole thing with it if you get the question wrong then have to retry the question 30 seconds later i had a, a, a situation when i was in moscow where 
the information I needed wasn't actually in the pamphlet, so I'm not really sure where I would have got the information from in the game. Yeah. There were random NPCs walking around which you could speak to, but they just gave you a bit of generic, like there was nothing useful from them at all. Um, so Most of the time it was clues, bad clues, as to where you work as of the... To help the, the Yoshi on the map exactly. type thing. Exactly. But I did notice there there was a question because I kept getting it wrong because I obviously didn't know what the answer was in the, within the game. And the third time I tried, she then gave me a different question, which actually was in the pamphlet. So I like that concession that there is kind of some element of the game adapting itself to what you're doing or, or not doing. It wasn't adapting. I think they were random. Those The, the question mm. designation, it had a pot of questions and they were randomly Do you think so? uh, put to you. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um but I suppose it's good that there was. You can't just get stuck on a question, yeah, because it's not in the pamphlet. It'll serve you a different question at some point. I suppose that's fine. Overall, it's a very rough approach to education. It all relies on reading and memorization, yeah. which I think accessibility-wise is atrocious. And there is no level of. Di- I was going to say differentiation, which is a teachery thing. I I think there is an element, like, there should be some kind of differentiation here. If if a game, or maybe even a whole genre, calls for differentiation in terms of difficulty levels, it might be the edutainment genre. And yet there was zero in the way of... uh, of difficulty levels or any other kind of differentiation. There was a nice bit in the in the instruction manual where there was a letter from Marion Luigi to parents where it gave ideas for how to support with the game. And I, I like those suggestions. Like it said about, you know, get a globe and, and look at where these places are or what's happening in those places at the moment. Or if your child's struggling, then could you read it to them or with them? And I think that was quite nice. Yeah. So as well as, pay, as, well as paying what would it have been 50 dollars 50 40 quid as well as paying 40 pounds on this uh, game why don't you go out and get your, your family a globe you loser <laughs> yeah yeah uh, with, with, it, just while i'm on the moscow bit as well one thing i did really like about the game was the we, we talked in the first half about the sprites the animation the the visuals are there's, there's a lot from super mario world and then interestingly the bits that are from super mario world so for example when you're looking at the close of the golden gate bridge there's a, a picture of luigi and it is really clearly not from super mario world because it it's it's not the best shall we say it is bad and i queried why that was and then actually points out it's because he's got a camera around his neck because he's a tourist at that point and so i said well could they just have used a sprite from Super Mario World that didn't have a camera, or could they have put one in? But that's that's a whole other question. I assume that that's the reason they had to add that camera. They had to draw that camera in, and therefore, I guess, had to draw the whole sprite to make it fit in. Yeah, because the, 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 the sprite's but... too small. If you put a camera in, it would just be a couple of pixels yeah. or so, wouldn't it? Yeah. But within each city, or within, what's that bit again? Throughout the whole game, there's music playing from Super Mario World. I think it's the main theme from the first level on donut plains possibly it was playing just the, the normal loot music when i was exploring the first city which for me as i said was san francisco when i went to moscow it was then playing the same piece of music but with a distinctly russian edge and i really liked it I thought it was it was a really nice touch the music by and large was i don't know it was fine i kind of feel like it was walking that line of verging on stereotypes of cultures so on that front not sure appropriation 
not even appropriation, just like, hey, this is what Russia sounds like. When you go walking through the streets of Russia, this is what it's going to sound like. Everybody loves polka music. Way. That kind of just do, do, um, obviousness. Yeah, devolution to the mean. Mm, Yeah, I can see that. And that got to a really quite crappy place uh, when you get to Nairobi, Mm. where everywhere is a bit dingy. All of the buildings in the street scenes are a bit derelict and dilapidated, and there's some that have got straw on the roofs. And this is the capital city of Kenya, and that's how they're depicting it in 1993. It just... Isn't great, is it? No. And then you go on the map, the city map of that, and it looks like there's mud huts on the, on that map in the city in the capital city of Nairobi. It it all just smacks of it. Basically, the depiction of Nairobi here is what people would have thought of when they uh when they heard the term the third world, which has yeah. rightly been uh abandoned as a term. Um, it was not great. So what what are kids learning from that? It's just not great things. Perpetuating the stereotypes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads us nicely into I went on a Mario is missing wiki page on the Super Mario Wiki um MarioWiki.com. Um there's a, a whole page of mistakes and errors. And I started reading this and I, I there's, there's there's some great ones. So basically that this game is geographical, it's historical, it's teaching children about geography and history. You'd think they'd have done their homework because we're teaching children. But mm. the game is full of there's spelling mistakes of capital cities, spelling mistakes of countries. The actual facts are there's, there's loads of wrong ones. I mean, there are there are so many. There's easily over a hundred. My favourite one is for the Bolshoi Theatre in Moscow, where it says that Gorsky was the director of the Bolshoi Theatre up until 1942, when he actually died in 1924. Oh, oh, outrageous, disgusting. <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, but the, the spelling mistakes, there are a lot. And, you know, as yeah. as I said, it's a game for geography. It's, uh, I, yeah. I take the point. I take the point. I like I like your example because it's very obscure yeah. and and ridiculous. <laughs> like taking issue with, uh, if you're going to, and if you're going to try and educate, try and, you should try and do that in a, do well. A, a re, yeah, exactly. You should try and do it correctly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm just not sure that I'd split hairs over Gorski's tenure. Wow. <laughs> the Bolshoi. You know, there might be one kid that plays it and then latches onto that. You know, you, you know, I've probably got, probably both got loads of random information and random facts that we've picked up, you know, and, and there might be one kid somewhere in the world that latches oh, onto man. that. A perfect example of that. Um, there's a film called Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which is uh, a Bowie David one. Bowie. Yeah, it's really good. I like it. It's one of my favourite films. And at the end of it, one of the soldiers says to Mr. Lawrence, does Merry he, Christmas. Does he say about, uh, about he Gorski? He Mr. Lawrence. Oh, no, he doesn't say no, about he Gorski. He shouts, he, shouts, he shouts, David Bowie is Mr. Lawrence, by the way. He shouts, Mr. Lawrence, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. And um, he's a Japanese soldier, and he says it with a Japanese accent. And for a long time... I thought that the way he said Merry Christmas was the way to say Merry Christmas in Japanese. I thought he was delivering it in Japanese. And I was talking about this with a colleague of mine just a few weeks ago. And they they were asking, they asked me if I know any Japanese. And I said, well, I know how to say newspaper. Oh, no. Shinbun. 
and I know how to say my name, Ashuri, and uh, I know to say I know how to say I am Ashley, Watashiwa Ashuri Des, uh, and I know how to say Merry Christmas, a Merry Christmas. And uh, they rightly pissed themselves laughing um, and corrected me. Um, but yeah, I, I watched that film when I was probably about 2000, 2008. When, when you I was were two- about, <laughs> yeah, when I was about 1920. Um, when you were 1920. Just, when I was 19. Or 20. Or 20. <laughs> oh, God. Hard work. Um, I watched it when I was about 19 or 20. And uh, ever since then, I'm 34 now. Uh, ever since then, I've thought that Merry Christmas in Japanese was, uh, as I've just delivered Merry Christmas. Wow. But it's not. No. Well, it's very close. It is very close. If you look at the Japanese for Merry Christmas, it's an anglicized, it's a Jap, I can't remember what they call it, but they've got a name for imported mm, yeah. um, words. I can't remember what the Japanese call imported words, but they've got a whole alphabet related to um, imported words. And they've got, um, I think it's katakana. They use katakana for uh, in uh, words that have come into the Japanese language from elsewhere. Um, Merry Christmas. The words Merry Christmas are um, one of these imported words. They actually say it in an anglicised fashion or a Japanese-English fashion. I will leave it there. Cool. Well, as <clears throat> as it, when we've usually gone off on stories about that, it kind of means we've done about the game. Um, I've got the yeah, th- I've got the feeling I've got... that we've kind of done. Mario's missing. I think so, yeah. Last... Unfortunately. I wish we'd done cool borders. Last question. You said in the first half about you remember your sequence with Blue. With oh, flying it's not over. this game. So... I think it must be Mario's time machine. Right. But I forgot to check it, so I can't tell you. We'll have to wait till 1.40. What to do Mario's time machine? Yeah. Uh, I mean this. I, I have actually um, addressed that in a sense, because I found the whatever I was playing, Mario's time machine, I found that completely impenetrable this as i said at the beginning is much easier to pass and much easier to learn the ins and outs of even if it's uh once you actually have learnt it pretty rubbish well that's... i wonder if mario's time machine is actually like completely impenetrable but once you get it it's like oh magic well maybe maybe we could address a, a later point but i think it's quite nice to leave mario's missing on a bit of a bit of a positive that at least it was easy to pass Mario is pissing. Oh, come on. Come uh, on. Yeah, it's, well, it's bad. <laughs> thank you okay. again. I think that's where you should leave it. Thank you again to Lizzie for suggesting that. Hopefully we've not... Uh, uh, spo- Jizzy. I'll take that out. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> Hopefully we've not uh, stolen your thunder. Not stolen your thunder. We've sort of rained your parade a bit too much. Um, if you want to be like Lizzie and suggest a game for us to cover in episode 140, as I said, please do come and join us on social media uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and drop us a message. Let us know if there's a game you would like us to try, because we'd be it'd be nice to hear from some people and uh, try and broaden our horizons a bit. Yeah, I guess. Otherwise, we'll choose one, and it'll probably be a point-and-click adventure game. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, thank you for sticking to the end, and we will see you again next week. Farewell. Bye.